And we are back on the uh, Ken Pittman Show, the final hour with Paul Santos filling in, having a great time as usual. We always have a good time filling in here on the radio, and we've had some good callers chiming in on the different subjects that we talked about during the first hour. We talked about removal of the MCAS as a requirement for graduation of New Bedford High School. Kelly Murphy did a nice job presenting the position that we ought to eliminate the MCAS. Tom Hunt actually chimed in during his hour, in hour number two, with his political commentary, and he thought that we should keep some kind of a standardized test so that you kind of knew that everybody could read and write and do the basics when they came out of high school. So the way it is right now, though, I don't think this particular test is the way to do it. I kind of side with eliminating the MCAS. If you want to have some other kind of basic test at the end of high school just to show that you can do the basics, I suppose that's okay, but I'm not so sure about the MCAS. Then we talked about this recall provision, and I agree with that last caller, you know. If you're going to take the mayor's term and make it from two years to four years, because your argument is that two years isn't enough time, but then now we're saying, well, if you're a bad person and you're doing things wrong, we got to be able to call you back. we got to do a recall. Well, why are you doing a four-year term if you're going to put in a recall? Don't put in the four-year term in the first place, and then we don't need the recall because how much damage can somebody do in the, the rest of a two-year term? If you're a city councilor, one city councilor, no matter how bad that city councilor is, they're coming up for re-election in less than two years. So why don't we just put the two-year mayor back and forget about the recall? That's what I would say. But what do you think about that? 508-996-0500. Give us a call. Paul Santos again filling in for Ken Pittman this morning. And something else I wanted to talk about. This is an interesting one. And I didn't have a guest for this one, but I know that there are people out there that are going to have an opinion on this. There is a revived interest in the Massachusetts aid and dying bill. In other words, a right to die bill that they want to have here in Massachusetts. And the right to die bill has been boosted by the additional support of Governor Mara Healy. The End of Life Options Act would grant terminally ill residents the right to a peaceful, autonomous end of life. There are certain representatives, Jim O'Day of Worcester, Ted Phillips of Norfolk, Senator Joe Comerford of Hampshire, Franklin, and Worcester counties introduced the most recent version of the bill when it failed to advance through the Joint Committee on Public Health. The bill seeks to give terminally ill options at the end of life. They tried to do it in 2022, but it stalled, and now it's kind of getting a new look. And the argument against it, of course, is, is that, you know, if you have death with dignity... Right? Is that going to result in a lot of misdeeds? Maybe people not caring for those who are, you know, coming to the end of life. And that there's going to be like an attempt to try to finish somebody off before they should. But the present proposal that is now pending before the legislature seems to have some precautions in there. You know, in other words, it's not just like, oh, okay, uh, you know, uh, here's a pill and, uh, you know, you're terminally ill, so take the pill and uh, that's the end of it. No, no. There are a number of precautions in there. And in fact, across the country, more and more states are adding this practice as legal. In fact, Montana, New Mexico, Washington have this right to die bill. And in order to qualify, there are a number of safeguards. For example, two physicians must confirm the patient's mental capacity and terminal diagnosis. Number two, a physician must inform the patient about other end-of-life care options, 
including hospice and palliative care. Number three, patients must make an oral and written request for life-ending medication witnessed by at least two individuals, one of which cannot be a relative who can attest that they are making the request on their own volition. There's also a mandatory waiting period, right? A mandatory waiting period. And then the patient must be able to administer the prescribed drug themselves. So what do you think about that? That and any of the other issues that we discussed this morning, give us a call. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hello? Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Oh, you're not done talking about what you're saying? No, I just finished my thoughts. So go ahead. What do you think? Okay, so anyway, I don't understand what the difference is because when elderly people, I know a lot of people that that their elders are like on their way kind of out but not really gone. And if they don't have cancer, say, uh, anything like that, and um, they end up getting um, morphine. Mm-hmm. And they give them a dose that's the morphine, um, you know, they, they do it slowly, but they overdose them on morphine and then they die. So what's the difference? Well, I don't get it. I don't think they're supposed to be doing that. I know. That's what I'm saying. And they are doing it. Don't you know people that they say, oh, uh, my, uh, my, my elder is on, um, they, they usually have a meeting in the hospital and then they decide on what they're going to do. But they say there's no... Um, alternatives here that uh, the insurance, because the insurance doesn't like to pay. Say say that your parent is doing not doing good and they're going from the hospital to the nursing home, to the hospital, to the nursing home. At that point, usually they have a meeting and then they say that they, they'll put them on that, that route. I don't know exactly the words for it, but that's what it is, you know. Well, I know, they, I know have, like, they have do not resuscitate the DNR. I know that, you know, if somebody you know, has a life-ending heart attack, you know, because they're on medication, because they're in the hospital, because they're in their last moments of life, and there's a do not resuscitate. They don't resuscitate the patient. I've seen that. But as far as, you know, giving morphine, I have heard cases that you've just described. I have heard that through kind of like hearsay, but I don't think that's legal. I don't think they're supposed to be doing that unless you have some kind of legislation that says you can. Now I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Because I've seen it right in my backyard. Yeah. What do you think, though? You think that it's a dangerous kind of a thing that, you know, the people that argue against it, there's some some organizations like the National Council on Disability, the American Association of People with Disabilities. They argue that this is a slippery slope that, you know, people become vulnerable and then someone's older and the care becomes more burdensome. And the people that are alive just want to let that person go a little sooner than they really should. So they argue that it's a little bit of a slippery slope. What do you think? I don't I don't think it is. But um. Um, I think that they should mandatory that you put these papers that, you know, like do not resuscitate. Like for me, I don't want to come back. I just, um, when I'm, if I, I even put it down for the kidneys. Right. Well, there is a such thing. I don't want to be on dialysis. I don't want to be on, to me, it's no, um, no, um, quality of life. Well, you know, that happened with my dad. You know, my dad, thank God, lived to be 90 years old. And he was fortunate, even though he couldn't walk very well. He walked with a walker, but he could walk with a walker. And uh, he ended up going to the hospital. And I wonder, too, he went to the hospital right at the beginning of COVID. And he took a return for the worst, and he ended up passing away. And I wonder if he got COVID, because it was before anybody was testing for it. But one of the things was is that he had kidney failure. 
and he did not want to go on dialysis no matter what. And that was his decision. He made the decision. You could also have a health care proxy, which is like a will. You sign a document indicating what you want it to have happen and who you want to have make the decisions and that kind of thing. But I remember he didn't want to go on dialysis and all that. And his kidneys uh, failed gradually. And the doctor told us, you know, that this was a peaceful way to pass. He would fall asleep uh, and he would pass. And that was his decision not to have the dialysis because the dialysis would have extended his life maybe another couple of months and it would have been miserable, you know. And so, you know, that was his decision not to have the dialysis. So he passed naturally with the kidney failure. But it wasn't like, you know, this year, this legislation is like, hey, I'm in pain. I've got Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm miserable. Uh, I want to take a pill to pass away. It's more of like a, a step that's happening that you're doing or that the doctor's doing, not just the affliction that you have is causing you to pass. So I think there's a little difference there. Yeah, Paul, but plus, plus your father was an elder, real older, right? Is yes. the end of life kind yeah. of. Yeah, he's 90 years uh, old. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Right, and um, some people are young that are sickly. You mean somebody that's young that decides to do that? You think, is that what you're talking about when they're younger? Well, you know, sometimes there are absolutely gruesome cases. In fact, I think I saw one on 60 Minutes, where a younger person had Lou Gehrig's disease. Well, when you have Lou Gehrig's disease, you know, the disease takes over your body, and I think at the very end, you can't even breathe. It's almost like you suffocate. So as you're getting close to the end, now somebody will say, well, you don't really know what's going to happen until it really happens, because sometimes people have miraculous recoveries and bizarre things happen. But, you know, the doctors kind of know, you got Lou Gehrig's disease, you're going to have this slow, miserable death. So, so should the person have the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm not going through that suffocation at the end of life i want to take a pill that's going to terminate my life you know does the person have a right to do that do you think i think so personally, right. personally right. i think so all right and you do a good show paul they should have you on more often well i enjoy it i have a lot of fun i i've always enjoyed broadcasting you know i'm an attorney but i've also always had a broadcasting job whether it be sports play-by-play -play, filling in on the radio i used to do a dj show on the radio a long time ago uh, television I've done. I'm actually doing television. Actually, put the TV on tomorrow morning at 10.30, Channel 6, and you'll see our, I do a comedy variety show, believe it or not. <laughs> so tomorrow okay. morning, tomorrow morning, 10.30, Channel 6. Okay, Paul. Thank Have you very much weekend. for calling. Yep, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, while I'm on here, I want to make sure I promote the Paul Santos Live Show. I know there's a couple of people out there that have seen it before. And, you know, what it is, I've done a lot in broadcasting, as I've said. I'm an attorney, but I've also loved broadcasting, right? So I've done sports casting, sports play-by-play. -play. I had the good fortune of broadcasting New Bedford High School games when they won back-to-back -back state championships in football, basketball, baseball, and volleyball all in the same years, 1993 and 1994. Got to broadcast the games from the old Boston Garden, sitting Johnny Most's old seat, I covered uh, the Bedford girls basketball team that won a state championship maybe about seven or eight years ago. Still do sports play-by-play -play for Dartmouth Community Media. Love doing the hockey in particular. Do the football with my good friend Jim Thompson, if you're out there listening, hopefully. And so it's a lot of fun. So I've always had broadcasting jobs. I then worked for an old radio station that was 98.1 in the FM dial, WMYS, where we played kind of top 40-ish music, but kind of like easy listening top 40. So I did that for about eight years. I've always enjoyed broadcasting. And I was thinking, well, one of the only things I haven't done is a talk show where people call in. You know, I used to love Larry King. It'd be like, uh, uh, Tuscaloosa, hello. You know, over here, it's New Bedford, Fall River, Dartmouth, and Fairhaven. But, you know, I like the old Larry King show. I like talking to people. I like getting people's opinions. I like hearing people's opinions. 
even if they're different from mine, the only thing I would say is it's just too bad that we get contentious with each other now, you know, and I, I try not to do that. I try not to do that. I have people out there. I have a good friends of mine who I agree with who are on the left of my position. I have people that I, good friends of mine that are on the right of my position. As long as we can give the position without it getting contentious. And it's tough because if you have a strong position and I have a strong position and we start talking friendly, you know, and then you get a little strong with your position, I get a little stronger in my position. It is so easy to go down the rabbit hole and have an argument that becomes contentious. I do think that as Americans, we've got to stop uh, making somebody that disagrees with you evil. You know, we're all Americans. We're all in this together. And you talk about evil. There's a lot of evil in the other side of the globe where people get killed, buildings get blown up, hospitals get blown up, schools get blown up. And, you know, there's no Democrat or Republican out there that supports that. So we're all Americans in the end. And, you know, you look back at that greatest generation, the World War II generation, I don't know, did anybody care what anybody was? Did anybody care what anybody's thoughts were in terms of their political ideology? No, we had to fight a real evil. And the greatest generation came through. And I think a lot of us, don't appreciate it. You know, my dad used to say, my dad was in the Korean War, so he was a little younger. He didn't fight in World War II, but he used to say to me all the time, hey, you enjoy your freedom? Thank a veteran. And so I used to go, you know, and I would accept that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, chuckle at that. I would, I would actually think to myself, gee, that's a nice thing to say. But now as things have gotten more contentious and a lot of things around the world are becoming more ugly, and I think to myself, well, we really do take our freedom for for granted. You know what I mean? We, we don't have to think about some of the things that people have to think about in other parts of the world. So we really should try to appreciate that. I think we, we don't appreciate it and we should appreciate it more. Anyway, I wanted to bring up this discussion about the right to die legislation. What do you think about that? Do you think that it's dangerous to have a right to die legislation? In other words, I have a horrific disease. I know I'm going to pass away. Should it be just, you know, nature passes its course. The man upstairs decides you know, when you're going to pass. Or you have a right to say, well, it's my body. Why should why should anybody tell me when I'm going to pass? In other words, I know there's a lot of anti-government people out there. I hear you call up, well, if you're an anti-government person, shouldn't the government stay out of it? Now, you might say, well, yeah, but that's a, it could be a murder, I suppose, if, if the slippery slope slid down far enough. But I don't know. I, I know that in my younger days, I kind of leaned against it because I thought there might be some abuse. I thought there might be like, well, you know, when people get older, my dad used to say to me in his last couple of years, and he was hilarious, and thank God he had all his marbles and everything, but he used to say, hey, you know, when you get older, nobody wants you anymore. Nobody really wants you around. Nobody really pays attention to you. I mean, I did, because I, I loved my dad, and I wanted to pay attention to him, and I used to see him all the time, right to the end, and he told me that I would have no regrets, and he was right. I have no regrets, because I used to see him all the time, take him to breakfast, take him to dinner, celebrate his birthday. I mean, I did everything I could for him in the tail end of his life, and I'm happy about that, and I, I feel good about that, and he told me I'd feel good about that. But as far as like, you know, hey, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Give me a pill. I mean, I think you'd have to have a horrific disease, a couple of witnesses, a meeting, a doctor, proper paperwork. And I think if you do it right, it can be done. I think it can be done. So we got that topic. We have the MCAS. And how about the election coming up? We have a Super Tuesday coming up a week from Tuesday. And Tom Hunt said that Trump is going to be elected that he's so far ahead in these swing polls, and I'm looking at the swing states, the polls in the swing states, I should say, he's leading in all of them. But 
he does have a lot of legal problems. And, you know, hey, I don't know if that's going to affect him. I know that he tends to blurt out controversial statements at times, you know, and uh, a lot of people dislike him. And so do the people that dislike him, are they going to come out and vote more than the people that like him? And, you know, what are some of the issues? Certainly the migrant issue hurts Biden. But then some of the things have kind of helped him a little bit. I mean, the economy straightened out. The inflation went down. I'm not sure that the inflation had anything to do with who was president anyway. It had to do with the pandemic and printing money and sending out stimulus checks and things like that. Uh, the gas prices, who, again, I don't think that's the president either. But when the gas prices are high or low, whoever happens to be president gets blamed for it. Well, the gas prices came down. The economy is going pretty good. The uh, infrastructure is being built. The big issue is the the migration, all the migrants coming in and not securing the border. That's the one that seems to hurt the Democrats. And also, I think Tom Hunt is right. I think that even if you are a supporter of President Biden, you, you know, you can't, you certainly can't say that he hasn't had cognitive decline. We'll be right back. It's Paul Santos filling in for Ken Pittman on this Saturday morning. Kind of cloudy, 42 degrees outside of our studios. And we have been talking about a number of issues today. This final hour, I just wanted to drop this new issue in. And that has to do with the right to die bill. It's really a death with dignity bill. Massachusetts wants to join some of these other states. I know Vermont had one a while back. I think Oregon did. But now there are more and more states that have some kind of legislation to end life with dignity that address this issue and they talk about a peaceful humane death with dignity now there's an article here that was written in one of the boston publications by emily klein and emily klein talks about a gentleman from east hampton an east hampton resident by the name of mark peterson who remembers the day his mother chose to take her death into her own hands about four decades ago peterson's mother was 78 years old she was diagnosed with emphysema she needed medication and oxygen around the clock in order to breathe. Peterson said his mother loved to read, loved to play golf, but the oxygen tank inhibited her from golfing and her decaying eyesight prevented her from reading. In 1985, Peterson's mother had a few end of life care options. She had few, actually. She didn't have hardly any. She had hospice and palliative care movements. They only began getting traction at that time a few years earlier. So around Thanksgiving of that year, Peterson's mother announced her wish to pass. And there was no way to do it here in Massachusetts. So the only option was to go to another state. And some of the states where you did have a death with dignity. Now, I'm looking over here. I don't know if we have any folks out there who are in the religious community. I know we have a lot of Catholics here in the New Bedford area since many of you folks out there are of Portuguese descent, Cape Verdean descent, French descent, Irish descent. The diagnosis of Springfield's Respectful Life Office says that as Catholics, we believe in protecting life from the moment of conception all the way to natural death. Efforts to promote physician-assisted suicide undermine the protection of the most vulnerable, they write. While pitched as death with dignity, 
Often those who are terminally ill can feel pressured to make such a decision. Prior legislation was reportedly favorable out of committee last session, though it didn't advance beyond the Joint Committee on Healthcare Financing. Voters in 2012, okay, so this would be 12 years ago, rejected a ballot question by 1.5% that would have permitted physicians to prescribe the medication. And the Supreme Judicial Court last year ruled that Aiden dying is not protected by the Massachusetts Constitution. Now, again, according to polling, and polling can be off sometimes, but according to this publication, nearly 75% of Bay Staters support legalizing medical aid in dying, according to Beacon Research poll results released in March and commissioned by a supporter of the bills. Nearly 70% of voters who are Catholic, Protestant, or have a disability even support the bills. A poll of over a thousand people found. Now, medical aid in dying is now legal in 10 states, even more states than I thought, including Maine, Vermont, Washington, D.C., and a few others, according to the nonprofit organization Compassion and Choices. And so far, they say that there have been no incidents of abuse or coercion. So, what do you think about that? Is this a slippery slope? Is this something where somebody should just proceed along and you just wait for the nature to take its course. Again, there's a lot of protections here in some of these states. For example, in Montana and New Mexico, and even the state of Washington, two physicians must confirm the patient's mental capacity and terminal diagnosis. Number two, a physician must inform the patient about other options in terms of -of end-of-life care, including hospice and palliative care. Patients must make an oral and written request for life-ending medication witnessed by at least two individuals, one of which cannot be a relative, and who can attest that they are making the request on their own volition. There's also a mandatory waiting period between requests that varies by state. And then last but not least, the patient must be able to self-administer the prescribed drug. So the prescribed drug is kind of placed on the table And then the person who is suffering in miserable pain, can't breathe, on oxygen, uh, just just having an absolutely torturous, miserable time, can then take the pill to pass with dignity. So what do you feel about that? Do you think there's going to be, you know, if we have that in Massachusetts or around the country, do you think that there's going to be a temptation to say, well, you know, the people that are alive find caring for the person who's getting ill a burden? And so the person who's hanging on and wants to live a little bit longer is going to feel, well, nobody wants me around anyway. I'm old. I'm in the way. I'm just going to take this pill just to get out of the way so that, you know, my relatives and my son and my daughter, they're not burdened. You think that would happen? You think there would be sort of like abuse in this area, right? That you just want to say, well, you know, time to say goodbye, so let's go. I don't know. What do you think? Give me a call, 508-996-0500. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. Hey, Paul. Um, you know, are these things intended um, to find a, uh, a, you know, or, or lead to a slippery slope? Probably not. But it seems like more than ever lately, whatever bills get passed, the laws get passed, we end up going down a slippery slope. We find a way down that slippery slope as a society somehow. And and that's, that's the worrisome part, you know. And... <laughs> Without getting into, without describing a lot, I mean, just look what's taken place in our society over the last 10 years as far as bills that have been passed, the laws that have been passed, okay, 
And and some of these things, 20 years ago, would have been considered insane. Now they're the normality, you know? It's, and it's because we've slid down slippery slopes. And it, it's just, you know, you it sounds like they have a lot of safeties in it to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. You hope they maintain those and they don't get changed. And at the same time, no one should ever criticize anybody for wanting to end their life when they're in so much intolerable pain that the quality of life has certainly gone out the window. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, it's a difficult issue because, yes, I think you're right. I think if somebody is in that situation and they're hanging on and they're in miserable pain and they can really make the decision... Not from a depressed state, you know, I think they have to evaluate to make sure it's not a depression thing, but it's a serious illness. And they want to say, okay, you know, I think it's time to go. Um, Uh Should they be able to do that? I think that's the question. And then, like you just pointed out, the safeguards. Are there enough safeguards in there, do you think? Well, I've listened to everything you've said. I'd like to look into it a little bit more. And uh, I also believe that life is valuable and very precious right to the very end. And but at the same time, and I've been I've been on my deathbed a couple of times, you know, where I consider my deathbed. And when you're there, there's no fun. There's nothing. There's nothing enjoyable about any of it, you know. Yeah, but you came and, back uh, from that. See, now you're in a situation where it was, you thought it was your deathbed, but it turned out not to be. Well, was, I was a couple of hours away from being my deathbed. Yeah, but, but here you are. You here you are talking to me yeah, on the radio. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's my point. You know, it wasn't your time. But when you're that sick, and when you're that when you're that sick, and when you're, when you're in that much pain, and it, and and you know, and 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 it's a definite. And if it is, and and of course, miraculous things have happened to people that are about to die, and mm-hmm. they came back. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's that that's the part that I, I have a hard time with is that we don't know. We just don't know what is going to happen. If there's going to be something miraculous, you know, right. and uh, so so I, I kind of waver on it. But boy, but at the same time, when you are there, I, I think people. It's easy to judge somebody when they're going when you're not going through what somebody else is going through. It's very easy to make that judgment, and that's the part that I uh, I really don't like is is that unless you're going through it, you should be quiet, you know. And um, and at the same time, people can find ways to, you know, um, let loved ones go because they don't want to take care of them, like you said. Most people that end up in nursing homes, a lot of them don't ever get visited by their family ever again once right. they're there. No, you know? I know, I know, it's and sad. It's the sad part. Yeah. It is really sad, you know. All right, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. See you, Paul. Thank you very much. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Paul. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm curious, uh, how does something like this affect life insurance policies? Yeah, I really don't know the answer to that, I have to confess. I was just reading the bill and, you know, what the bill is proposed to do, what the opponents think about the bill, back and forth like that. I really, I really can't address that. I don't know. But in terms of the, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, if if you're buying a policy, and and um, I'm sure there are a lot of caveats in policies, like you can't go skydiving, you can't do something. Oh, I see what you're saying. Buys a big old policy, right? And says, "Hey, I'm anticipating that I'm going to start failing soon. I'm going to spend whatever money because I can leave a nice, you know, going away present for a Mm -hmm. a huge gift and." I can set the time and date and everything else. I, yeah. I imagine there I must be something in the language of the policy or in the law, if the law passes, and I just have like a thumbnail sketch of what the law is. 
perhaps there's something in there that addresses that. But yeah, if you've got like a million dollar life insurance policy and, and the person, uh, you know, if the person commits suicide, you know, without being ill, without this whole death with dignity thing, many times the, the insurance gets eliminated because it was, you know, it was suicide. So there, there are sentences in there and languages in there and provisions in there that address that situation. But in terms of the right to die in general, uh, what do you think about that? Do you have an issue with that? You know, I, I, I guess uh, an individual makes, needs to make their decision very, very often uh, when, when someone's reached uh, after a long life, if they've, uh, uh, their health starts failing and they say, hey, like the conversation earlier about someone on dialysis, um, saying, hey, I don't want to go on dialysis. I don't want to be, uh, be stricken with tubes in me for forever. Then if I get to a point, it's like a DNR, right? Do not resuscitate. Yes. Uh, so it, it, you're kind of like making that same decision, but you're able to say, uh, I've, I've made peace with it. And rather than wait, I'm just going to uh, set a date and uh, family then can make arrangements or plan for that. If you want to have visit, visitations with everyone and as opposed to having them sit there, watch you and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's got to be up to that individual to do it. If, 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 uh, all right. Yeah. I, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank Have you. a great weekend. All right. Thank you too. All right. 508-996-0500. We got a few people chiming in on this issue and you know, I, it was really controversial a few years back. I think it's picked up a little bit of traction that people are looking at it and saying, well, you know, we should have some kind of dignified way to exit this world, you know, and, if you are confronted with a horrific disease, a lot of pain, a lot of misery, but there are groups that are opposed to it. And in this article that I have right here, and this is a local issue because it's a situation where the governor supports it, Governor Healy does. There may be a ballot question. It may be something that the legislature has to vote on. So the people that we elect in terms of, you know, say Christopher Markey or Mark Martigny or whoever the local delegation is, they would have to make that decision as to whether or not they think this legislation cuts mustard. But I know the Diocese of Springfield's Respect for Life office says that as Catholics, we believe in protecting life from the moment of conception to natural death. Efforts to promote physician-assisted suicide undermine the protection of the most vulnerable. While pitched as death with dignity, often those who are terminally ill can feel pressured to make the decision. What about that? What do you think? 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next. Yes, hello. Um... I just wanted to say what they had in Canada, um, they had a right to die, which they've had for years. The only problem is, is is they extended it to mental health. And now people with mental health in Canada can uh, have a right to die. And what happens if it's just a temporary thing? That's not right, right? So, Right, so if somebody uh, has mental health issues, we have to question what their, you know, their, their mental process may not be what it should be. Right, but in Canada, they're letting them... Uh, you know, they're letting them die. You know, they're letting them mm-hmm. do it. So, and you can look this up. It's not something I, I made up. Right. They are letting them do it. So they're, they're, what happens is there's the old saying, you give an inch and somebody takes a mile. So it starts that way, which is, I agree with, but the problem is people extend it to the point where, you know, now it's mental health. And then some some of these people could be depression. They might be depressed. And at that moment, they, you know, they, they want the right to die. In Canada, they're doing it. 
So. Well, I, I haven't looked at that, but I'll have to look at it because I think you that that's dangerous. That's, mean, well, that's dangerous because somebody that's but, having mental health problems, you know, they shouldn't be able to end their life. It's got to be right. somebody with, you know, you got a panel of doctors. Like I said before, those protections. If you had those protections, I think I'd be more, you know, likely to accept it, you know? Right. But like Canada started that way where it was, you know, like uh, uh, terminal illness and everything else. And then all of a sudden it got changed where people said, OK, we got this far. Let's go to the next level. And right. that's what's scary. That's what's scary. You know, I, I the slippery I, slope. I don't, I don't trust some of the stuff that the government, you know, says it's going to be OK. And then you find out it goes off the rails. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that bothers me. So all um, right. and you can look you can look it up. Yes, it, I will. It, it is. It's happening in Canada, so thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for the call. Have a great weekend. All right, Paul Santos filling in for Ken Pittman this morning here on 1420 WBSM. Mm -hmm. Just talking about the proposed death with dignity bill that could become law here in Massachusetts, depending on whether or not the local delegation and the legislature here in Massachusetts decides to put that through. What do you think about that? Most states are supporting that now. There still are a lot of people that have some concerns about it. What do you think about that or any of the other issues that we've talked about this morning? It's Paul Santos filling in for Ken Pittman here on WBSM. We'll be right back. We are back with the Ken Pittman Show, our final segment here on this Saturday morning. Paul Santos, happy to be filling in. we got a few callers lined up, so we're going to go to the callers. We, we're talking about the Death with Dignity bill that is presently pending in the legislature. I don't know how far it's come along. It's still in committee, I believe. But what do you think about that? And before we go to the callers, I do want to mention, I do a television show as well as filling in on the radio. And the television show is totally different than the radio show, but it is so much fun. It's patterned after the old Tonight Show, the Johnny Carson type show. And it's uh, it's pretty similar to what you still have or you had with David Letterman or Jay Leno. And basically, I'm the host. I come out. I do a monologue, which is not easy. I have to tell you, it's one of the more fun things I've ever done in broadcasting. But I come out and I do a monologue, an attempted monologue. We have a few laughs. I have a sidekick. I have a band. I introduce the guest. We have comedy. We have music. And on tomorrow's show, we have a lineup, which is probably one of the best lineups we've had. We had a guest by the name of DJ Bishop, and he went to school with both of my sons. A great athlete was playing college baseball. And one day they were jumping off a bridge into the water with some buddies, and he did it, and he broke his neck. And he's a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the upper body down. And the degree to which this kid is fighting this, saying how he's going to walk again. You know, I actually should have him on this show. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll invite him to come on this show. He is fighting this. He is working hard. He's helping other people. His attitude is so positive. I mean, I I can't believe how positive he is after this accident happened. I don't know that I could deal with it the way he did. So he's going to be on my TV show tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. on WB, on (laughs) WB, on Channel 6. 10.30 a.m., Channel 6 tomorrow, the Paul Santos Live Show. It's a fun comedy variety kind of show. But DJ Bishop is on that show, quadriplegic advocate. Tracy Fonts, tremendous singer, one of the best singers I've ever heard. He was fantastic and a great comic, funny, funny guy. 
by the name of B. Lee. And then we have the Paul Santos Live Show Band made up of Gary Langevin and Artie DeMello. I have my sidekick who is now Allison Dian. Uh, she is a comic and she runs a place called Dying for Laughs and she gets all my comics. So it's a it's an absolute blast. Again, Paul Santos Live Show tomorrow morning, 1030 on ABC6. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're next. Paul, the show will go on without you. <laughs> How are you? Good overall. Good overall. Super busy. Yeah, I haven't, health issues. Yeah, I haven't heard from you in a while. We miss you. Yeah. Two things. Yes. As far as the right to die law, right? Just like a while back, we had a situation where abortion and reversive way went up to the Supreme Court, they kicked it back to the states. Mm-hmm. Well, to a certain degree, some of the appellate courts have sent it back to a state by state, but it's not the law of the land yet. So it's a state by state issue. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think it's dangerous? Do you think it's a slippery slope where older people would Absolutely. be taken advantage of? Mm-hmm. What about the safeguards in there? As long as there's multiple safeguards, not just a simple one. Mm-hmm. Or like two doctors, it's got to be really reviewed and really thought out. Um, mm-hmm. There was a movie years ago, Richard Dreyfuss played an individual who was paralyzed. So his wife wanted one thing, he wanted one thing, and his family wanted another thing. And actually, mythically took place at Mass General Hospital wow. just back in the 70s. Mm. And all the issues that it presented way back then is still there today. The difference is we have a higher technology of medications and medical stuff. Right. If I was politics, you're mentioning our friend Tom. I agree, even though I don't like it. I I think Trump's going to do it. But so if he gets, he gets voted in, and then one of these things that's still pending ends up he gets found guilty. He still has not given any indication who his vice president would be. So if he goes in, he's voted in, he's found guilty. Well, a sitting president, can he be removed? And if he is, who would be the vice president? Who would then become the president acting? Right, could get ugly. <laughs> yep. And as far as on the states, the obvious Florida, um, Ohio, all the Michigan, those are obvious. What I'm looking at, because there's a difference between electoral vote and a popular vote, is these three states. Mm-hmm. Virginia, New Jersey, and Illinois. Whichever two or three either one takes <clears throat> is going to be the tilt over. All right, I got a lot of calls lined up. There, but can those three combined make mm-hmm. a lot. All right, I got a lot of calls lined up. I really appreciate okay, you bye-bye. calling, and uh, hey, we miss you, so uh, we'll catch up down the road. Okay, good morning. You're next on the radio. Good morning, Paul. Hi. Lisa Appiels. Yes, sir. You know, you're talking about the right to die law and all yes. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm going to say something here that, you know, you, let's talk about one of your own. Okay, Chris McCarthy. He went through hell. Yes. Okay. And there's a perfect guy for him to call in if he's listening to tell us how he felt because he actually went through hell. Like his program is he cheated death, which he did. Mm-hmm. How did he feel? Is a perfect person to come and tell us. Right. Because how did he feel? How did he feel when he was at his lowest, you know? And now he's here and he's on the radio and his life goes on. And so maybe, yeah, right. You know, a lot of people go through hell. You know what I tell people that go through hell? Keep walking. Get out of there. You know what I mean? So you got a perfect gentleman there. Yeah, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him about it when I see him. Mm -hmm. he He can tell us how he felt because... He did deathbed. He almost died. 
Did and you? Look at him, affects him so, how strong. So you tend to disagree with it, then, right? Is that what I'm hearing? I disagree with it because, you know, I can see, like you said, a lot of times the people get pressured. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, somebody that's like that, somebody in that family must love a guy long enough to keep him alive. Okay. So if you got two siblings and one of them wants you to be on the machine and one of them don't. Okay, the one that don't, you can say that my parents are dead. But that kid, the other kid might say, I want to visit him every day. There might be a solution to come out of it, like Chris McCarthy did. Mm-hmm. There's the guy you got to ask, because he's, he, he cheated death. But he came back strong as anything. All right. Hey, thank you very much for your call. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Paul. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. I would, in my in my view, the best way to die with dignity for uh, a follower of Christ, a disciple, is um, what Jesus said to Apostle Peter in John 21 is, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. This spake Jesus, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. And if you look in Second Peter chapter 1, that's exactly what happened as he was reaffirming the church of his departure and what they should do as well. All right, so so, so let me just summarize. So you would be opposed to the physician-assisted uh, end-of-life treatment? Yeah, you gotta you got to pick up your cross and follow the Lord. I'm talking about those that are called by God to be a Christian. So you want the... You, of Christ. You think everybody should wait until that natural death occurs? Is that right? Yeah. So the, even, yeah. even if the person themselves said, "Gee, you know, I'm, I'm, I got Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm hanging on. I'm going to live maybe one or two more weeks, being tortured, can't breathe. I really want to take that pill that that you know I die quietly and peacefully in my sleep." Um, you say that that person really shouldn't be able to do that. Is that right? Well, um, I know it's difficult. To the, according to the scriptures, uh, not everybody, but those that are called by the Lord, Christians, mm-hmm. disciples of Christ. that are true followers, that they look forward like Apostle Paul to live as Christ, to die as gain. It's not only for us to believe, but to partake of the sufferings as well. But this is talking about sufferings where you will be killed for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right, so you're saying natural death should, should decide it, not, you know, the human beings making that last decision. Yeah, it's different. All right, all right. right. I want to get to another call uh, while I can. So uh, thank you very much for calling. You're very welcome. Take care now. All right. Let me go to this call here. Hello, you're next on WBSM. Hi, Paul. A first-time caller. Oh, thank you. Okay. uh, I'll keep it short. Yes. Uh, I am opposed to the uh, end-of-life message here. Uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, give it, uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. 
and uh, I am a, a longtime Catholic, and I will live to experience, hopefully, the the, the pain that Jesus uh, suffered on the cross. Well, I know there are a lot of people that agree with you that would say that, you know, it should be a natural death. It shouldn't be anything that humans do. You just wait for your time, and when your time comes, it's your time. So that's a position that's, you know, reasonably thought out and so forth. But what about if the person, like I said, is really suffering? You've got something horrific. I'm just using Lou Gehrig's disease as an example. You're laying there. You can't breathe. Like, should you be able to say, hey, I want to go? I want to keep it sharp because I'm up against it. Yes. Uh, I saw my father die Mm -hmm. uh, on his deathbed in, in our living room. He died from pancreatic cancer. Right. And he never took anything to shorten his life. He died according to the to the Lord. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, thank you for calling. I know you said you were a first-time caller, so don't be a stranger. Okay, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Yeah, good morning. Hi. I'm calling back regarding this, this issue. Yes. So the, the secular government's going to tell you when life begins and when it ends. Do uh, you want to get rid of uh, the babies and abortion? Now you want to kill off the old people and say this is uh, the dignified way, the medical community is saying it's a dignified way to go. You remember Dr. Kevorkian? And yes, the state Doc, of Dr. Death. Dr. Death. You know yeah. how many people he killed through in lethal injection? And then when it came time, when he was uh, uh, found guilty of uh, killing and, uh, all his patients, uh, when it came time for him to die, uh, the death penalty, he didn't want to die that way. It was it was right. He felt it was right for him to kill people off. They didn't want to live. But when it came his time, he didn't want to go that way. Well, let me ask you a question now. You heard the example that I gave, right? Let's say you've got a terrible disease. Like, say, I'm using Lou Gehrig's disease as an example because I know that's a disease where, you know, your body breaks down to the point where you can't breathe anymore. So you basically suffocate to death. So I'm thinking to myself, geez, you're going to suffocate to death. If you get a group of doctors together, family members together, you sign papers saying this is what you want to do, uh, and you decide I'm going to take my own life at the very end just to, you know, take off those last couple of weeks of pain and misery, why wouldn't that be something that we should consider? Well, the fact is we're not God. God brings us in the world, and God's going to take out. Man wants to be God. That's where we are today. That's why the world's falling apart. It's not for us to decide. It's, it's for the good Lord to decide when you're coming and when you're going. Man today thinks he's a God-man like Julius Caesar, and that's why we got a lot of problems. All right. Well, you brought up Dr. Gavorkian. I, I kind of forgot about him. Uh, like you said, they used to call him Dr. Death. Yeah, Doctor Death. Doctor Death. Want to die the way he, he was killing yeah, his patients. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he, he was dying with a death penalty. He wasn't ill, so that was well, a little different. That, well, they was they wanted to kill him uh, that way, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to die wanna, that way. So what go. does that say about the guy? <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks a lot for the call. All right, a lot of uh, a lot of noise in the background there. Let me see. Okay, I think that was the problem. I think I left. I left another caller on there, and so there was some echo. Hello, are you there or are you gone? There we go. All right. All right, 508-996-0500. We only have a couple of minutes left, so if you want to chime in, we'll give you about a minute to discuss. Maybe this is a, a topic that we can do a whole show on. You know, I kind of broke it down by hours. We talked about the MCAS, eliminating the MCAS as a graduation requirement. 
during our first hour. We thank Kelly Murphy, a very knowledgeable teacher at New Bedford High School, for being our guest. Hour number two it was Tom Hunt, political analyst, always has something interesting to say on local politics. He talked a little bit about the national election. He thinks that former President Trump is going to be reelected, although I'm getting a text from a friend of mine who says that he's not going to get elected. So people are going back and forth. Not so much who do you want to win. I'm just wondering who you think might win. Well, a lot can happen. It's going to be a strange year. Hopefully it doesn't get ugly. We just pick the president, wins, and whoever wins accepts the victory, and on we go. That's our hope. Hopefully it doesn't get too contentious. Well, by the way, I'd like to thank uh, the folks here at WBSM, Tim Weisberg, Michael Rock, for allowing me to fill in, and, of course, Ken Pittman. Thank you very much for allowing me to fill in, and hopefully they'll call me again. I always enjoy it when they call me. And, by the way, don't forget the Paul Santos Live TV show. If you've got Comcast Cable, we have the hour version of the show on every week. 8 o'clock, Channel 95, okay? 8 o'clock, Channel 95, you can see the whole hour show. But tomorrow morning, we have a really good one on ABC6 in Providence. It's the half-hour version of the show. We have DJ Bishop, a quadriplegic, who talks about his unfortunate accident and what he's done for the quadriplegic community and medical in general. Tracy Fonts, a fantastic singer and a great comic by the name of B. Lee, going to be on the show tomorrow, ABC6 at 10.30. Thanks again for... All of our callers contributing. I'm Paul Santos, filling in for Ken. Have a great weekend. WBSM and W258DR New Bedford. New Bedford's news talk station, 1420 AM and 99.5 FM. WBSM, a town square media station.